Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Zellier from BackSportsPage.com. With me as always, my tag team partner, Emerito Rivera from Level 1 Games, looking to turn heel at any moment. And Em, great show this week. Very great, man. Listen, I had one of my buddies, um, the colossal Mike Law, on with us. And uh, he had a moment recently where... uh, he does a, a suicide dive out of the ring through a chair. So he's gotten a lot of notoriety and a lot of attention from that recently. But that is not the primary reason we had him. I wanted to get another side of wrestling. I wanted the indie side. And who best to go to than one of my old buddies from when I used to wrestle back in, uh, what was it, uh, 98, 99. And uh, we went to the same gym and uh, I stopped. He, he kept going. So we're getting a perspective that normally we don't get. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the interview. But before we get to the interview, let's let everybody know where they can find us on social media. We are on Twitter at the Cut Wrestling BSP, as well as on Instagram and Facebook at. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I suck at this. So I actually wrote it down. All right. You can find us at the Cut BW. <laughs> podcast on instagram and the cut pro wrestling podcast on facebook that's what happens when you prepare and of course right now as we're working out the kinks for our youtube channel you can find all of our shows at the back sports page youtube channel right now subscribe now also home base for us is backsportspage.com so right now you've heard of us jabber on for a few minutes now let's check out our interview with mike law Welcome to another edition of the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast. My name is Randy Zellia, along with my tag team partner, Emerino Rivera. And, well, we have a, a special guest today. Uh, em knows this man very well, and I'm going to talk to him a little bit, get to know him as well. Michael Law. Mike, thanks for joining us this morning. Appreciate it, brother. It's the colossal Mike I'm sorry. Law. All right? I'm, I've known this guy since we were kids. He's a real cool dude, and I've actually really wanted to have him on the show. I, I, and you remember, I've pitched him before. Uh, I think this is the perfect opportunity to get to know him. Uh, he's gone viral recently for going through <laughs> a goddamn chair. Like, so I, I figured, if, why not have him on now rather than wait? So... <laughs> Welcome to the show, to, Mike. I don't know if you're allowed to use GD, by the way, but we'll find that out through post-production, but that's okay. Mike, sorry about that. <laughs> no worries, man. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I know M has tried to push me on the show, and I appreciate that. It literally took me dying for, for that to happen. But, uh, <laughs> so, hey, better, better late than never, right? <laughs> actually, actually, this was the pitch. Check this guy out. He almost died. He went through a chair. We got to get him on the show while he's still alive. Okay, awesome. Let's get him on then. Let's let's quickly get him here as quickly as possible. You know what? What's funny is I've actually wanted you on the show. Uh, like no no joking aside, because I want to get more of the indie side of wrestling. We've done guys like DDP. We've done guys the Good Brothers, Rocky Romero. We wanted to see the other side. I want to push because the people that watch this, everyone is, is, is so enamored with the big guys, the big companies. I want to show them that one, there's another side to wrestling and one that's just as important as, as the big stuff. This is the feeder system to all the really cool stuff that we see on TV now is the indies and the perfect person in my mind to represent that was you who who you've been in the indies since what like 2000 
2001 was my first like legitimate pro indie show in Jersey for NWA over the top. So, you know, off and on, you know, like I'm, you know, I could go on all day about the different times where <laughs> I'm off, but um, yeah, I mean, since the early two thousands, uh, but yeah, I feel like that's a thing, you know, where do you think the guys like CM Punk came from or Seth Rollins or Daniel Bryan, like these guys came from the feeder system known as the independence, you know? And I think, uh, for a while that was forgotten, you know, uh, gallows, you know, all these guys at one point may either appeared on an indie or went back to it, you know, just to, you know, hustle. And, um, that's what it is, man. Like the independents are that hustle before you get to those, you know, big leagues. And, you know, I've been, I've been happy, you know, or fortunate enough that I've been able to do my thing as long as I have, um, in the independence and, you know, still continue to, you know, make, make some waves. So I'm, I'm happy about that. That's great to hear. In, in your time so far, in, this, in your time so far on the indie circuit from when you started till now, obviously not COVID era, but can you talk about, about how the indies have sort of changed a little bit? Yeah. So, so as far as the indies, man, like back in the early two thousands, like it was, man, it was, it was very much very edgy. I would say that it was stuff that you would never see on national TV. Um, you know, obviously you, you know, you, you saw with the progression of the attitude, errors, more shock value stuff, but even in the independence, there were more, you know, it was definitely more of an underground feel to it. You know, there was, there wasn't the lighting, there wasn't the, the fanfare that it had at the time. We certainly didn't have social media to, to depend on, to get the word out about things. So it was a lot more inclusive in the sense that, you know, there was, there was a certain level of fans that watch the independence, you know, now I, I think it's a double-edged sword because you also have the, the social media, which does give access to a lot more eyes on the independence that you never saw before. Um, but at the same time, it's opened door. It, it, it's open eyes on certain things that, you know, probably aren't the most, you know, the best quality either. So sometimes people don't know the difference. They don't know how to dif differentiate, you know, one, two, three promotions from ABC wrestling, you know, like it just, I think sometimes people just glom it all together as opposed to saying, okay, well, this is like, this is good quality wrestling. And then this is probably stuff that could use some help. You know what I mean? And, and it's, it, it just varies like anything else. It's just going to vary. Um, but it was a lot more of a, like a grungy feel, man, back yeah. then. It was, it was a little edgy. It was a, a little bit more underground, you know, um, as far as back in the day, uh, you know, there's certainly a lot more, um, I think now athletically, there's so much more talented guys and girls, uh, back then it was, you know, it was just much more, um, you had a lot more bigger guys too. Like I could tell you, like, you know, like when we started training back in 98, I mean, I, I was 110 pounds, dude. Like I was getting this like tossed around, you know, punched, kicked, you know, these guys didn't want me around. They didn't want guys like me and Marino around because we were smaller guys. And, you know, they, just, they knew that with that tide going that, you know, it was eventually going to be open to smaller talented individuals, you know? And also to follow with that too, especially with social media and the different platforms, having platforms like YouTube and Twitch where people can broadcast live on that. Do you think that helps the indie promotions? Because like you said, sometimes there's good wrestling action and there's what we like to call the shits. You know what I mean? Like, 
is is it a, is it a positive thing to have those streaming platforms? I think so, because especially now, I mean, you know, we, we can't ignore the fact that we're living in an era of a pandemic and that if these promotions are to survive, they're a small business, man. Like people don't realize like logistically running a wrestling I, and I've been a promoter and I've ran events before uh, multiple events and I know how hard it is. And I know the overhead that it takes to, to put together a show or an event. Um, it's not easy. And so if there's a way to monetize it and support the businesses, support the independence, I'm all for that. I'm all, I'm totally good for that. I think it needs to be something that needs to be discussed as far as quality, man, people's, people's tastes are going to vary. So people are going to think, okay, maybe something that I personally don't like and think is not up to par some people are like oh this is the greatest shit ever and that's cool man that's all different tastes i'm just saying when people generalize and i think this goes to a lot of the fans who strictly watch wwe for example like i don't i don't see that coming off from the AEW fans a lot of those fans followed like the young bucks and orange cassidy and those guys like through the independence so they know they have an idea how the independents are but like i feel like a lot of the wwe fans and this is no fault of their own. This is what they've been programmed to watch. Like they just generalize, oh, well, independent wrestling, you know, it's all hot law shit, you know? And I mean, I couldn't be farther from the truth, man. There's some really good to great quality independence that before the pandemic, we're doing good business. Yeah. That, that brings me to guys like, uh, what was it? A uh, pro wrestling gorilla, uh, there are amazing stuff out there, man. There's so many independents that are just incredible. I think uh, we. Uh, I just uh, read that book by uh, Keith Elliott Greenberg about the Indies, and he wrote about all the Indies across America and some outside uh, of the United States, and it brought to light all of these great places that we don't even know about because here we are, we're, we're sitting there. We're watching WWE, and this is one of the reasons that I wanted to broaden people's uh, horizons, basically, and and expose them to another another side of wrestling. I would say, uh, and even now, it's like uh, with me and Randy, we 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 became friends at the store, um, and we would watch WWE all the time, right? We'd sit there and we'd watch WWE, and then AEW came along, and and I, I'd try to get him into that, and slowly but surely, I've been exposing him to Ring of Honor and and. Uh, New Japan, he, he, he's very hard headed and not watching that with me, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I try to tell people all the time because I, I had one argument with, um, a, a childhood friend of mine. Uh, he was very upset that I was uh, critical on, on a storyline in, in WWE at the time. I don't even remember what it was. It was, it was very forgettable. And, uh, he was, Which most of their program is by the way, most of the and, program. And, is. I mean, at, at this point in time, it is, yeah, but yes. I, I'm not going to sit here and crap on it. Cause it, it, that's uh, like Greenberg said, we drank the Kool-Aid and that's one of the reasons why we like pro wrestling is we, we grew up watching that stuff. Yeah. So I don't want to down it too much, but, you know, I, I downed whatever was going on. It was silly. It was, it was forgettable. Uh, the, um, the, what they were saying was just, it didn't sit right with the character. And the guy comes back at me and he's like, well, you know, where else are they going to work? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, these guys work everywhere. And he, he just kept telling me, it's like, well, if they're not in WWE, then they're not working. And I'm like, dude, like you could go to ring of honor impact 
New Japan, and then a number of other independents out there. It's like a lot of people think that if you're not in WWE, then you're not working. So I wanted to to sit there and, and show people like, look, there's work out there, you know, like, I mean, things are kind of hard and that's, I want to segue into that. Like the, the, the Indies were growing and I think they were at the height of their popularity uh, last year. How is it this year for you? Like in the independence to, to, try to work and just like even having that anxiety of having that virus around you. Like, how do you deal with that? Um, it's been hard, <laughs> I'm sure. Think, you know, and listen, um, there's things about the independence that I feel. The need of question guy. I'm a big fan of like proper lighting, uh, you know, effects, all that jazz. When I used to help run FWE, uh, gotta give him a shout out. Um, they, we, we were very big on production and making sure that the lighting and all that stuff, like we wanted to make an event, you know, one of the coolest thing that happened when I was there was we did a show at the Umcore center in Corona Queens. It was a pretty big venue. I think the main event was Rob Van Dam versus Tommy dreamer. And the coolest thing was shutting off the house. I mean, I was, we were starting the show at eight o'clock shutting off the house lights and getting a huge reaction from the fans. Cause they were so excited that, you know, like the event was starting and it was like, they got the FW chant going and it was pretty cool. And I feel like that's something that a lot of independents need to focus on. I, I get that, you know, you they're on shoestring budgets, many of them, but I, I always, to me, even if I'm not on a, you know, on a specific show or event, if I see that the production is really good, I'm like, you know what, man, good for those guys. They're standing out. They're trying to make this not only you got to make an experience, not just an event, you know, like I always tell people like when you come, when you come to any show that I used to promote, you're not coming to a, a wrestling event. You're going for, you know, you're putting your money down on, on an experience. And that's what I always feel that WWE has done amazingly. And that's why they have such a huge market share is that, they're not just creating shows, man. They're creating experiences for people to to talk about, and that's in moments. That's a huge thing in wrestling. Moments. Going back to the independence, um, it's been tough. I think for me personally, um, you know, yes, has money gotten better for me? Yeah, because I killed my, you know, like I not that I kill myself. I mean, I'm, I'm here. I'm working out. I'm doing what I got to do. But you know, I've paid my dues and I've done what I have to do to to be allowed to to say hey this is what i want and we can agree on that uh, or disagree um but merchandise not going through that shit sucks man like that's so tough because you can go to an event and clear you know a couple hundred dollars at, at, at an event that has fans but if you're doing a taping you know it's hard you know people it's you're not selling anything to anybody so that's a part of the income that gets kind of just taken off the top um you know, of course, everyone's going to be anxious, man. Like, you know, we, well, we do contact, so full contact. And so a lot of times, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm a big believer in testing. So I test before and after the events. That's what I've done. I know a lot of companies mandate it now and have, have been mandating it. I'm all for that, man, because it's not so much about me. It's about everyone else, you know? And uh, I think that's just been a thing with independence. Uh, it, it, they've grown. It, it's a, again a double-edged sword because where there are quality independents and promoters, there are the other half, which is like you know people who probably shouldn't be investing their money into wrestling because you know everyone thinks they can do it, and then when it comes time to actually be a promoter and promote, 
and put together like events, it's not easy, man. It's not, it's a lot of logistics. It's like getting in contact with talent, budgeting, marketing, promoting, all that stuff that nobody wants to look at from the outside. But when they get in, it's too late. It's funny because I thought about promoting, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was younger. And then I looked at it really, like I looked at all the logistics. I was like, yeah, screw that. Like I, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> that's, that's a wormhole. I, I decided not to go with a lot of risk, man. Uh, oh, definitely. Especially in New York. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's funny. You stole my thunder. Cause I was going to ask about the, the difficulty of promoting, but I want to take another side of that as well as a wrestler, uh, indie wrestler. What do you look at as far as booking yourself uh, a show? What do you look for? when you're looking for the opportunity to go work somewhere, is there any time you've looked at a situation and said, you know what, that's probably not going to be the best opportunity for me. And it were also the other side where you say, you know what, that's an amazing opportunity. Can you talk about the selection that you make as far as where you're going to work? No, right. Great question, man. Um, I would say this, like there have been times where I've taken more money for the fat, for a company, probably, wasn't the best, you know what I mean? But I stopped doing that because, you know, if you start doing that for too long, it kind of just bastardizes your own brand. So I don't remember, like, I don't want to be at a point in my life where I'm working for a company where it's like, okay, like this dude is in like serious need of money. Like, listen, I plan my financial future well, so I'm, I'm happy, you know what I mean? Like, but like we're independent. So we have to kind of do all our, our, you know, we have to do our digging. We have to do our work. And a lot of that times when I see a roster, if a promoter hits me up and I see, you know, certain guys and girls and I go, okay, well, I'm the only one here who has any gear or, you know, like I look like I invested myself. That's going to be a portion of it. You know, um, you know, it all depends, you know, you can quantify like saying, okay, well, this company is probably not going to pay me as much, but they have great exposure and that will translate to money later. You know what I mean? Like that's one of the things you can take away from it, but then you also have situations where, okay, it's not a reputable company. You know, you see the talent roster is probably not going to be something that's going to help you. Meaning you're not going to be put in there with someone who's going to be either, either, at your level or better to help you raise your game up as a wrestler or as a performer. And then at that point, you're like, okay, well, there's really no reason for me to, to do this unless, you know, I can budget to them an amount that makes sense for them and makes sense for me to come out and, and, and wrestle for them. You know, and those are the things you do. Like you quantify based on the value. So it could be exposure. It could be money. It could be, you know, other talents in, in that locker room that are going to help propel you in terms of their skill level and your skill level, you know, but if there's not much of that going on and you're just going in there to kind of lend your brand to their, to their name, you know, yeah, you probably should ask for more money. That's just my, that's just my typical mental thinking, you know, overall. It's awesome because you brought up something I wanted to touch base on and that's, your brand and you've come a long way from the dude I knew back in Brooklyn. Right. Like I used to watch you and you were like one of the best in there, man, flying around. But now you come out with this huge, gigantic barbell, you know, and Which I'm like, we discussed last night, by the way, we were talking about oh, that. Oh, oh, of course. <laughs> like I, I've, I followed you on, on Facebook just cause I'm not in constant 
constant contact doesn't mean that I'm not paying attention, you know, now I'm watching you do these, these shoots with the barbells in times square and oh, you're, you're walking around and, and, and you even <laughs> lost it. Didn't you? you lost it in DR. Uh, okay. So I was going to, uh, going to Dominican yeah. Republic and, um, custom said, Hey, we, you know, there's no way. Cause I, you know, it, okay. I mean, this is like an insight thing, but it breaks apart. Okay. You know, I mean, that thing is huge. It's yeah, like, it's little, huge. <laughs> And I, then, I literally have that mental picture of going through airport security with this giant barbell. This giant yeah, just barbell like, yeah. I, I, I want to check this in, please. Boom. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. I wouldn't have let me go through anyway. So I had it like compacted and the, like the plates are like two feet wide. Like it's huge. It's, it's intentionally ridiculously big for that reason. Um, and they're like, yeah, we're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to take that with you on a plane, you know? And, you know, there was no, it just, it wasn't going to fit anywhere. And like, it, I already had my luggage already paid for to go under the, you know, in the, in the, in the, uh, apartment area. So they weren't going to let that slide. Um, and so I just left, you know, I left her there and then they just, um, you know, they, they held off and then I had to pick it up, you know, when I came back from DR. Okay. So you, but I mean, you didn't lose it. <laughs> didn't lose it. it, it she was just, she just was hanging out in, in, um, I, <laughs> in, in uh, she couldn't take the trip. Sorry. This is the way it works sometimes. <laughs> I, I literally had the mental picture of like the lost luggage section. There's a big, that was, that, that was, that was a missed opportunity. I should have taken it. Cause when I came back, uh, it was, you know, she was in pieces, you know, but, uh, like having it put together and then like in front of all the luggage would have been a cool little thing. Yeah, I, I remember seeing you in DR. I'm like, where's the barbell? And then later on, you, you mentioned it like, oh yeah, she couldn't make the trip. <laughs> and in a way I'll say this, I love wrestling in Dominican Republic. It's such a, like, I wish they do. I was supposed to do a tour down there uh oh well actually earlier this year uh but the thing is obviously because of covid but i will say this like the fans out there like if you want to take a like a delorean back in time <laughs> to what wrestling fans used to be in the 80s and in the night you know maybe in the early 90s we, like they that fan base are such rabid fans man in like they it's to them it's they still believe and it's such a cool thing to take that kind of that time warp and go hey this is what it used to feel like you know back in the 80s when fans you know when you like people were throwing stuff at you and you know like they had a had they had cops with shotguns there you know mind you it was one of the most like it like there's five very dangerous places in VR. this was one of them <laughs> and, and i just remember thinking like god like i I, I don't think I was uh, in this in the position of the regular heels that were out there, but I was certainly in a situation where you know they, they call me they call me gringo even though I'm Puerto Rican, but whatever. <laughs> but they were like, oh, you know, I felt like they were like, okay, this dude's not from around here. He's definitely like, and then they had me represent the United States, which was like even worse because you know we were going through <laughs> political issues with with certain people, and like that didn't help my situation. But I think at the end of the day, like, they're like, all right, well, you know, like we don't like him, but we have to respect him because, you know, he, you know, he went in there and, 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 and did his thing. And, you know, he was, he's a bad guy, but he's charming. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I also wanted to uh, ask too, because I brought up your branding before, and we were also discussing the indies. Um, and you, because you said something before about merchandise, which was which is a key thing. And I went onto your store; I was able to see the the merch that you have. Um, I think you're the, the second to Cult Cabana that I saw that has as like as much merch for for indie. How important is that to be able to? Social media is such a big thing that we were talking about before sort of plug your stuff as well as sort of do that DIY of shilling your merchandise a little bit to making sure you have that second income as a wrestler, not just for performing at the shows, but also having that extra couple hundred dollars, like you said, for merchandise coming in on a nightly basis. You know, I'll say this, the, the, the guys that I picked that up from uh, when I used to do, uh, when, when I used to run stuff, uh, was the Young Bucks and Cole Cabana. Those guys, man, when they would wrestle for FWE and we had them set up in merch tables, those guys had so many different shirts and stuff like that. And, and to me, I was like, those guys, would, the Bucks himself would walk out with a couple hundred dollars, no lie, and, and Coke Cabana. So I said to myself, okay, well, I knew I was wrestling at the time, but I said to myself, like, this is a huge part now than it's ever been. You know, like back when I started in the, in the early 2000s, I didn't have merch, you know, I didn't even have eight by tens. So that was like, but those were the eight by tens in the glossies. Those were the thing back then. And everyone did them at some point, but going now into the last few years, it's so important, man, because it is DIY and you're doing it yourself. Um, and I, I always tell people I'm like the Walmart of, of I want to be the Walmart of independent meaning. I can give you a little bit of everything. And this year obviously was tough. You know, I had, um, the only thing that I was able to get this year as far as new product was fanny packs and, you know, my, you know, my, my logo, my likeness on there. And those are cool. But like, I had so many different ideas of stuff that I was work looking to work on and, and it didn't happen. And, and it was, wasn't worth it for me to, to, to invest this time, out yeah. a bunch of merch because, yeah. you know, like, I was going to buy at this point, but I will say, man, there are times where it saved me. There were times where I've gone to a show and the, the draw wasn't good, you know, and it happens, man. It happens at every company, independent or not. And the merch has saved my ass. Like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, oh God, I didn't lose my ass here. You know, I didn't make millions, but I didn't lose my ass completely. So it is a safety net, man. And I urge, look, at the end of the day, man, you're, you're selling, like, like, we're all Walmart, you know, like this podcast, it's his own product. It's its own brand. I'm Colossal Mike Law. It's his own brand. It's like we are, it's not where it's like, you're just in the wrestling business. We're in the business of ourselves. We're all small businesses. So I always look at it that way, you know, and you know, I, I, my brother, my younger brother, who's a referee, uh, ref Steven, quick shout out. He was very adamant about me pushing shirts. He goes, why don't you have merch? Why don't you have t-shirts? Why do you have anything? And I went and I said, you know what? He's absolutely right. I took, money that I would make from shows. I put them away in a little envelope and I would use that money to invest or reinvest in my own brand. And it's so important, dude. I can't even, very important. And before we get off, we'll talk a little bit about how your brand came about. Cause like I said, the dude, I remember we were kids, you were DDTing me. I remember that like it was yesterday, but I want to know after that, after you, you got on the Indies and you came up with colossal Mike law. So I, so I was sabotage for many yeah, years. Yeah, you were. 
Um, I use different versions of that name and, and it's all on uh, cagematch.com. Like, dude, they know everything. <laughs> it's scary how much cage match knows. They know some more stuff about me than I know of myself. Um, <laughs> but they, dude, that was like, I, I didn't even know that match happened or I don't remember that match, but they're great. Um, so as far as, so once I stopped wrestling in wrestling 2011 to 2015, I was strictly just trying to promote at that point for FWE. And, and I helped a, a couple other companies, you know, per diem, like it was a cool side business and I was a vendor too. So I was making my money that way. You know, I was just doing just, I wasn't an enumerated competitor. FW went out of business in 2015, unfortunately. And then at that point, I go, I still had that void that I had to fill, man. And I always knew that I could still give back. I just, you know, I wanted to, I never really had my feet a hundred percent in wrestling in the sense that I, I didn't forgo everything to be a wrestler. That's my fault. And that's probably why, the opportunities that should have come my way didn't happen, you know, and that I have to take accountability for that. Like not moving to OBW when one of my friends uh, asked me to, that was a huge like faux pas on my end. Cause I could have learned so much, not even if, like for it, just learning from Rip Rogers and those guys. But at the same time, uh, going back in the Indies, I was just my claw. I didn't, you know, I was trying these different monikers and names, but then ultimately I always had a, a Napoleon complex, you know, uh, that's, you know, like I make no, uh, you know, secret about it. Um, I, I walk around, you know, people are like, Oh, well he walks around like he's the man. Well, it's not that it's good posture, but it also, I always believed I was six, seven. I was like, I always had a mentality in my head that I was this big dude. You know what I mean? Just, it, it, I walked around like it, more with pride, but with confidence, you know, and, I think it came about where it's like, what's a word that I could use that can illustrate not, not just the, the idea that I think I'm this ginormous, larger than life character or person, but like something that can flow off Mike law. Cause I hate, I hate the name Mike law, but I just, I was using it for such time that I was like, whatever, let's just go with that. So it's like, we thought about like X-Men for whatever. So we thought Colossus. Okay. And then I just said, okay, well, we'll just do what about Colossal? And so we just started going Colossal Mike Law because um, it just flew, it just flowed very well. And then on top of that, like, you know, it just kind of engulfed everything I thought I was or who I think I am mentally. <laughs> well, before, uh, again, I'm going to stick on this uh, subject, but it's slightly pivot a little bit. So, Again, I'd like to stay on the theme of in the indies. Uh, one of the things that we see on, on WWE and AEW are these big, great characters, uh, characters larger than life. Um, but on the indies, obviously, it's a, it's a different scene. It's, it's a different feel. What, what do you think, in your opinion, is more important, the character or the work rate in the indies? I think, I think there's been a... There has been a shift in the paradigm in the sense that for the longest time, it was about the car- I, I Here's the thing. I remember going to this dude's wedding like party. Like it was just an engagement party. And I used to come out before I was Colossal Mike Law. I was the masculine Marvel sabotage. I did this for an independent in like a few independents, but I would come out with this big protein jug, which was the precursor to the barbell. It was a big protein jug that I would put like, like gimmicks in there. Like I would put like brass nuts in there and powder stuff that I would use to win matches. So this guy out of nowhere, 
uh, comes up to me. He goes, you're the guy with the jug, the big jug, right? And I had been removed from that whole thing for like years. But that just goes to show you, bro, like people remember that stuff. You know what I mean? Like work rate is amazing. Like I, I, I think you have to bring, I think at this point in the game, you have to be a little bit of everything to stand out, especially in the Indies. Cause there's so many, there's so many independent wrestlers. People don't realize hundreds, you know? And so I think when you use a combination of the work rate, along with a character that people can kind of like, you know, bite into, that's a good recipe to, to, to win, you know? And I, I don't necessarily think one's more important than the other. I do believe that people remember moments and they remember how you made them feel as opposed to like, yo, I could do a six thirty, which is cool. I mean, I, I'm, I wish I could, but I think long-term people remember the memories in, in terms of how you made them feel more than the actual moves that, you know, that you portrayed really just my opinion. <laughs> Listen, it's a great opinion. I, I respect it a lot. And one of the things people that remember the whole Kogan's people remember, you yeah. know, uh, Rowdy Pipers, you know, and, you know, I think, I think again today, because because of MMA, MMA kind of helped propel the idea that because MMA is as real as real gets, you know, I know UFC uses that, use that tagline forever, but like, I think that helped propel people to be like, okay, like we have, we in this industry have to pick up our act because now we have to be able to compete, not necessarily with the legitimacy of MMA, but the athleticism and the ability to portray what we do in a high level situation, if that makes sense. And also too, something that you just said as well, and I always take away with it is like, cause I'm a sports writer too. And I, and I cover minor league sports and, and the major league sports. It's always cool when you see athletes start from the bottom and you see them propel to that next level. And I always took that with, with indie wrestling as well. You're able to see some of these guys when they first start and then you're like, Oh my God, look there, they are on TV. So it's pretty cool when you get to see that transition and able to see the growth and something that, um, I got to ask you also about being on the indies. Uh, I'm going to quote CM Punk here. CM Punk made a comparison to, uh, to, NHL, AHL hockey players and NHL hockey players for, for the AHL hockey players to get better. They have to play with people that are better than them so they can go up to that level. Can you name some of the veterans that you've got to work with over time to help raise your game to the next level? Guys, guys who've had that experience that you've been able to learn from. Absolutely, man. And, and I completely agree with punk on that. You know what I mean? Like that's something that like, you know, now, like I feel sometimes it's a struggle for me because I've been around long enough where it's like, okay, like now a lot of the companies want to bring me in and they're like, okay, can you help this guy get better and stuff like that? And I get it. Like that, <laughs> I'm a journeyman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like um, I will say I have just to go back on what you said about like the independence and the exposure, AEW has been doing a really good job of like, allowing a lot of independent wrestlers to kind of get in there, showcase what they can do and, you know, potentially get a contract. I will say in the same light that NXT and, you know, and WWE to a smaller extent, I guess, has been able to do that as well. And, uh, and you got to applaud that because 
ultimately the independence has always been, it's, you know, it goes back to the territory days. That's always been a feeder system for the bigger organization, whether it was an NWA or AWA or WWF. That's what, that's what I feel can be beneficial by going back to some sort of system like that. Um, going back to what you said, as far as people, man, like there's too many to name, you know what I mean? Like, there's Jimmy Rave, you know, bless him. You know, I, I know he's had some, some difficulty recently. You know, Jimmy Rave was a great guy uh, that I learned from. Homicide, you know, uh, total independent and, you know, just a, a, a legend. The guy that helped the New York scene more than anyone ever know. Um, you know, Chase Owens from the Bullet Club, having wrestled him, you know, one time in Super A was, was a showcase to me that I could hang, but also I think helped me mentally be like, okay, like I can, I can totally go against anyone. Cause he's, he's such an impressive, uh, you know, opponent. Um, there's, there's been so many, I, I feel like it'd be terrible to leave anyone out. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, Steve Mack was another guy, you know, from the hit squad. Um, you know, Adam Rose, it, listen, earlier on in my career, I wrestled Tito Santana, Brutus Take. Um, not at the level where I, like, I wish I was at the level that I am now. From, from several standpoints, because I think those matches would have been different. But uh, those guys, you know, were, were were learning trees, you know, like learning from them was, was pretty cool, especially Tito. You know, he was, he was very critical, I think, of me because of my size at the time. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't even like, I wasn't like lifting or anything the way I should have been, you know, so I wasn't, I was a hundred and probably 30 pounds. So you probably felt like, God, like what am I getting myself into? But you know, he was very cool. And he kind of like helped me out with that. Um, man, I don't know. It's just, I feel like, you know, there's, there's so many people that I've, that have helped me come along the way, you know, but I'm, I will say this, even guys that aren't name, no names on TV. I le- I try to learn from everybody, man. Like I always try to feel like, okay, even if there've been guys that have been around less time than I have, that I, Oh, okay. That's cool. I can definitely, you know, dig that. Um, I'll say this, a guy that I trained with once or a few times, Jay lethal, that dude, it's the truth, man. Like that guy, him and Azrael, Azrael doesn't get enough credit, man. That dude, Azrael, he's a great friend of mine. He does not get enough credit for being as good as he is, man. He is such a great overall around wrestler. Ricky Reyes. I'm dropping names like that. Right. <laughs> I got, I don't want to include it. You know, I don't exclude everybody, but you know, that's pretty much a good list of people that, uh, that I learned from, you know, or at least, you know, bits and pieces that like, you know, like the lethals, you know, Ricky Reyes, you know, guys like that, that I was like, okay, those guys, Mike Mondo, even though I never got in the ring with Mike Mondo, I'd watch Mike Mondo and from, you know, from, they know from the spirit squad, but that guy was so like, fundamentally sound dude like no one can mess with that guy <laughs> and just a quick follow-up with that too um i have to ask about the recommendation that you've made to stay in the united states and is to also having opportunities to go to puerto rico go to japan go to those types of places not only for the different styles but also for building a brand and name value because of the reputation wrestling does have overseas what do you usually recommend not only for yourself, but for other indie wrestlers to who are trying to build their name and their brand? Yeah. I mean, I think like anything else, it's an investment. You know what I mean? Like, um, 
it's like when when I was asked when my my friend you know Spiral got rest his soul uh, about going to OVW, it was a move, man. It's a little like, hey, man, you got to pack your shit and make that move. And he, you know, he tried, and I was just very, very naive and very, you know, I had a lot of confidence issues for many years. But I will say, like, if you're looking to wrestle in England or Japan or any of those places, and you don't have that brand recognition, and you're not going to be flown out. Yeah, you may have to take that that risk. You may have to make that investment to get yourself to that place. But ultimately, like if it helps and it works and it happens to find a new home, you might make a bigger impact that way. You know, I think, you know, I talked to a lot of the like, I guess the OGs, you know, uh, and how things were different back in the day where, you know, there weren't as many wrestlers and there weren't many people wrestling trying to get into wrestling as they were as there is now. And back in the day, yeah, you got paid to, to get flown out to, to Japan or Puerto Rico or whatever. And it was a different atmosphere, you know, but now, you know, it, the landscape has changed. We're all technically international superstars. If you think of not superstars, let me rephrase that. We're all international because if you go on YouTube, if you go on, on, you know, on Facebook, it, it's that's that's all that shit's worldwide. This is going to be seen all over or heard all over the, the world because people I've had people buy my gear, buy my fucking wrestling gear from from Europe, from Germany. You know what I mean? Like, really? I've never wrestled any of those places. <laughs> so we got people buying my wrestling gear from different parts of the world and making comments and following me on social media from other parts uh, of the world. So it's that landscape has changed, but if you really want to invest in yourself, you may have to make those moves, man. So last thing, I, I, I don't want to take too much of your time. I know I say no, this a lot. on these things. Great time with you guys. I haven't talked to, I haven't talked to M in how many years? I think since 2012 was the last time we talked, we went to the, to that, um, jo- jo- Joel's gym. That's when I saw you. Yeah. Actually, a little after the last time I actually talked to you. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to touch oh, on something that went viral. We, we talked a little bit about that. Here we go. Before before we do that, I have to know about M in the ring because I did see uh, a video. Geez. We're not going to talk about it, but uh, <laughs> I, bust his, I bust his chops all the time about it, but I'm not going to bring up that match in particular. But how was M in the ring? Um, he. There, like there could have been potential there if he had stuck around with it um, because he, he was a good base. Um, it just, I think in all fairness to the guys who like, I, I, I considered this two, I had two trainers. I had uh, Carlos Eagle Morales, who was one of the guys who helped train him too, I guess. And then uh, Lathan. Now the thing is we weren't tr- the, the training situation back in the early two thousands was nowhere near as systematic as it is now so much better. That's the one thing that I will say has improved. Um, you know, not everyone should be a trainer, not everyone should be teaching, but I feel there are places now that can teach you way better than back in the early two thousands, man. It was just was the wild west. Um, there was potential that he had, he, he had the one thing that no one in my training class had, he had a personality and that, that was a huge part of what he could have brought. I think if he stuck to it in, in terms of being a manager or, or something along those lines, he probably could have really propelled to, cause there's no, there's none of that these days. There really isn't. And you need the mouthpiece. He could speak. 
you know, and that's the one thing that even if you didn't want to do the in-ring stuff, cause you know, maybe it wasn't good for you. I mean, it isn't good for your body. I don't, I don't care what you say. Like you could, you could take so many bumps and it's going to eventually affect you. <laughs> but I think that's something that was a missed opportunity as far as presenting himself um, in ring wise, you know, like we could all use improvement. I'm sure he could tell you the same. He's a natural heel. He's a natural heel. So he, like, <laughs> that's if, what I used to always tell him, Mike. I'm like, nah, I got to be the bad guy. Like, <laughs> if he and I did, if he and I did play to play by play, I would definitely be the Gorilla Monsoon, or I'd be the Jim Ross, and he'd definitely be Bobby Heenan or, or Waller. <laughs> I think we were watching a match. Uh, what was it? It was a battle royal. Uh, a tag team battle royal, and um, proud and proud and powerful came out, and they stood outside the ring. And Randy's like, "They're cheating," and I'm like, "No, that's just good strategy, Randy. It's within the rules. They didn't go in the ring, so they could stay out." And we just went on like that for for a good half hour while we watched the match. I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there saying, "Like, I want some of those your boys right there," and they're sitting there hiding outside. The, dude, yeah, New York boys. Come on, man. I'm like, they're like, my they're, guys. If they're from New Jersey, they wouldn't be doing this. They'd be going. To, they'd be doing things the honest way. Okay? Yeah, and look what happened. <laughs> they, they got thrown out. Uh, Ortiz and Santana playing the strategy, playing the game. Um, I will say, man, I got to give those two guys so much props, man. Like, I. They worked their ass off, man. And and I give them so much respect because they did it the old school way, man. Like they worked for it and they put the effort in. And that's something that I feel like these days, man, like as a person who has worked, you know, I've, I've, I've never been handed anything, man. And I, and I, and I will knock on what swear to that. I've worked my ass off for everything that I've earned. And I see those two guys and I'm like, man, those guys, brought were brought up right man they worked hard they put they didn't poly, they didn't do the political thing man they just put their you know face down and they just went at it and um huge props to Ortiz and Santana man they deserve everything they get because uh it's a lost art man because everyone wants to take the easy way out everyone wants to go online and and you know use bullshit clout that last you know that 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 shot of dopamine only lasts, you know, that day or two. And then, you know, after that, it's like, okay, what do you do now? Like for me, you know, I know you're going to ask about the dive. Everyone's been asking about it and that's cool, but that I don't rest on that. Uh, listen, the fact that it went viral, Hey, that's, you know, the fact that I was able to do that, get back up, finish the match, wrestle the next day in Massachusetts. That's it. like, I don't, you know, people can say whatever they want. And I'm sure there's plenty of opinions, but like if I didn't know what I was doing, I wouldn't have been able to do it. That's, that's going to be my end game point to that. But I will say this, that I don't rest on that. I don't, I don't consider that like people like, Oh man, that's great. You know, I'm happy. You're okay. And then went by, listen, I don't rest on that. You're still going to see promo. You're still going to see vignettes. We got a lot of shit coming up. You're going to still see me wrestle. You're going to still see me do podcasts because I don't rest on just that. I, I like, I won't rest on, on just my world. I rest on the fact that, I'll only be successful when I believe I'm successful. Not, not, no one else will give me that. No one else will take that away from me. And that's the thing is, I don't think this, the most successful people out there never feel they are successful. So they keep striving for it. And that's what brings success. So it's a, it's a nice circular uh, uh, mindset. But I have to touch on it because it is something, like I said, uh, it, it was funny because I saw it. You posted it online. And it's amazing that you were able to wrestle the next day after, after taking that bump. Like I saw it and I was like, is my friend dead? But then I thought about it. And I was like, well, he posted it. So 
his hands work at least. <laughs> you know, it was, <laughs> might not be all there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but it's but, it's great that you're all right, man. And I, I'm happy to hear that you were able to wrestle the next day because it, it did look ugly. But um, okay, so yeah, so that that you know that's the elephant in the room. And listen, like I I make no like grandos like uh claims about it man like it, what we do has requires anytime anytime you step through those curtains there is a risk involved and i cannot illustrate that like i wrestled quiet storm one time good old quiet storm i had yeah. wrestled quiet storm one time and on an arm drag i popped my shoulder out like oh. it just i mean yeah. like wasn't it it just it happened you know and that was just one of those freak things, like on an arm drag, you know, we've all taken those, you know, if you trained, you've obviously taken them. If you wrestled, yeah. you've taken them. Um, there is a great risk. I like to believe myself personally that I've never done something where I've compromised myself or my opponent in a situation where they wouldn't be able to get back up and do this again and again. I, I people can like, if you don't know me, look it up. Like I, have pride in myself. Listen, I lay it in. I'm not going to sit here and say that I, I'm, you know, I, I think I, you're going to feel it for sure. But, you know, for a guy who's been doing this for 16 years and, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, he doesn't, doesn't look like he's been because of my talent, but, you know, you look young. But the problem is that, and plus the, the early 2000 Indies, you like, were so obscure anyway. <laughs> Regardless, like, I always pride myself on saying, you know what? the person who's my opponent is going to feel it. Um, but I will always make sure that ultimately, despite anything that they'll be able to get back up the next day and do this again. We all have families, you know, I, I get the paradigm shift in terms of like how people perceive what we do, but ultimately like, um, I take calculator risks. I take calculator, calculator risks in my financial planning I take calculated risk in my merchandise. I take calculated risk uh, when I get in the ring, when I train, it's all, you know, and I took a calculated risk that night against Joey Ace and he made the right decision. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I'm mad that I didn't win and I didn't get to, you know, I know him and I talk a lot of shit and we still do, but I think ultimately like, um, I'm more disappointed in the fact that, uh, in something that I thought was mine wasn't, you know, and I remember John Finnegan, the referee asked me, he goes, uh, as I'm laying there, he goes, Hey man, are you all right? And I go, and this was after the match, you know, uh, Joey had one, uh, and I go, yeah, man, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. And I was pissed, you know, like a lot of things. And he goes, no, no. Are you all right? I go, yeah, man, I'm okay. He goes, you're not all right. I go, well, mentally, no, I'm not. <laughs> Like who? Okay, we're like, look what we do for the entertainment of fans. Let's just like think about pro wrestling and what we do and what people know about it, and think about like, like none of us are okay in the head. There are levels to like being okay and not okay, but like you know, I like to be in the middle of there somewhere. Exactly, and that's I'm gonna pull the curtain back just a little bit. Well, I don't want to be the guy to just rip it down. On, but, don't, don't no, I'm not gonna go that. I'm not going to rip it down, but I have to say that the, the, the perception of the fans, I remember a ladder match we did and I went through the, the <laughs> sheet rock table and I, I went through it like a, a knife through butter. What kind of table was that dude? 
Oh my God. This I, I blame Carlos on this one. 100% because we were broke and we, we didn't have money for a table. So we went to a junkyard and we, we got a broken little table. And then he's like, you know, what would be cool is if we make a table out of sheetrock and I'm, I'm what I'm like 17 or I don't even remember exactly how old I was. So I'm like, yeah, she rock. Perfect. So we go to my house and we take apart this broken little table. We got at a junkyard and then we tape the sheetrock onto the skeleton of the table. And then we take it to the show and then I go through it. Now I'm thinking it's going to break my fall because, you know, again, I'm, I'm a kid. I don't know anybody. And it did not. It was just like, Dude. And I went straight through it. And the thing is, I'm laying there. Is that video up? Is that video up? Because you got to post that video. <laughs> Maybe one day. Carlos, Carlos has it. I'm that sure. Might go viral. You no, know. I don't need that going viral. <laughs> I, was, I was doing my best not to embarrass him about this. No, no, no. It's fine. But, 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 like, but like, to me, having a ladder match where the he has the ladder in the ring, but the belt is hanging on the basketball hoop outside yeah. the ring. On the Don't side. get me started on the logistics. <laughs> oh, everything, okay. everything was changed at the very last second. I followed the script. I did my part. All right. They said, go through the table. I went through the table. Now I'm laying on the floor and this little fat kid comes up and he picks up a piece. Now I'm hurting. I mean, yeah. I, I wasn't hurt, but falling from at least 15 feet, through a sheetrock table that didn't break my fall, I hit the floor hard. So I'm laying there and like sheetrock's all in my eyes. And I feel this little fat kid laughing. And he picks up a, a piece of the sheetrock yes. and he slams it on me. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, did this little bastard just slam me with a piece of sheetrock? And this is how the fans are sometimes. They don't realize that, look, we know what we're going to do and, and, and we know how to do it. But that right. doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Like we hit each other. I don't care who you are. If I'm hitting you, that hurts. So that that's the part of the, the curtain I want to let people into. It's like, yes, we're, they're trained professionals. I can't say I'm a trained professional, but they go out there. They hurt themselves so that you can enjoy it. Don't be dicks. Enjoy it. Appreciate it. Do not laugh when they get actually hurt badly and, and appreciate the fact that they are feeling pain for your enjoyment. You know, you're going out there 100% of the time. You will feel pain. You will feel pain during the match. You will feel pain after the match. You will feel pain the next day. So respect these guys, give them the love that they deserve. They have t-shirts there Buy the t-shirts Buy the autograph. Don't right. be afraid to spend money because this is how they make their living. They have to, to make this living like that to continue this. So if you enjoy what they do and you enjoy seeing them move up to the bigger companies, go to these smaller shows and spend your money and, and show. Remember, we vote with our dollars. So right. vote with your dollars and keep pro wrestling alive, especially during this time of COVID. I know, listen, we got a vaccine right around the corner. We're going to get right back to watching these shows in packed houses eventually. Let's do it. Let's spend some money. Let's make sure that this is a vibrant uh, a business that, that, that still continues to thrive for years on end. No, well said, man. And I'll tell you this, like, you know, when people like, you know, I got asked at another podcast, they were like, oh, you know, are you like offended or upset when people say negative things about you in terms of like this, this uh, chair dive? And I go, no, that's not at all, dude. You got to realize I came up in the early 2000s. You want to talk about fucking brutal fans? 
Those were brutal. Like you were le- like you were legit like hurt her. It, it was a nasty fall. I'm not gonna lie. I thought you popped your shoulder out. No, no, I was fine though. <laughs> yeah, I mean the instant pain from that fall was, you know, obviously like we can all feel it, but like that's what I'm talking about. Like the fans today could come at me at the like anyway. I, not that I pay attention to any of that stuff anyway, but I, I told him I don't really pay attention to any of the negativity anyway. That's just not me, you know. Um, I just go on with my life. But I said I couldn't be offended because the stuff that was being said and done to wrestlers in the early 2000s, boy, that was a different. I remember I did a show uh, with our good buddy Latin Rage. Remember him? Uh, uh-huh. We were the tag champions, and this was in Spanish Harlem in the early 2000s. Okay, now listen, you want to talk about a rabid freaking fan base? Those people were out of the goddamn minds. But I remember we won. We were the heels bottles, pennies, all sorts of things at us. So, you know, and, and even like progressively when I wrestled in Pittsburgh, the stuff that would come out of fans, you know, I was you know, a Spanish kid coming into an area that probably wasn't very populated by Spanish people. And some of the words that were used that, you know, by fans at that time were brutal. So it, it, it doesn't bother me. You know what I mean? Like people are certainly entitled to the opinion. I won't agree with all of them, but I don't like feed into any of the negativity. And it certainly doesn't bother me um, because um, everyone, you know, like you're not going to please everyone. Now everyone's going to be your biggest fan. Um, but I think ultimately like growing up with thick skin based on where I was, you know, years ago, um, that also helps, you know, like the, the fan base today, no matter what anyone says, will never be as brutal as they were in the early 2000s. The message boards were like a cesspool. You know what I mean? People talk about Twitter. I go, dude, have you guys ever seen the DI, DOI uh, message boards? Those things are fucking like crazy. They were making claims that I don't think you could legally claim on anybody. Um, just all that stuff. So, you know, you know, people could talk about toxicity and all that jazz. And that's fine, you know, like, but I think, you know, for me, I'm glad that I came up during those years. And I totally agree with you, man. Like, I think part of the part of this, and you know, I am and Randy is that these fans uh, do have to support us, you know, not not that they have to, but like, it's a it's an important thing. It, we without the fans, there is no us. There's no and and it's symbiotic about it. like it's all yes good word uh but <laughs> i think the promoters now have to pick up their pace i'm talking about making sure that they budget their events properly that they put the money and time in promoting that they hire legitimate talent you know train talent that they put money in their product in the sense that like production they, again it's all about the experience not so much you could put the best talent in the world, but if nobody knows it's happening, it doesn't matter. All right. And I think it has to be a two-way street. I think fans supporting the, the talent is amazing. I, I listen, I'm whether I'm a bad guy or a good guy, if you buy my merch, man, like I'm such I, I'm so grateful for that. You know what I mean? And it's such a big thing for me to be able to do that. Uh but you know, if you support a company and and that's even big, you know, because, you know, without the fans, like you said, symbiotic. So it has to, it has to work out on all playing field for everyone to be successful. And I think we're seeing that. I, I think a lot of the wrestling fans are realizing, Hey, listen, if I don't open up my, my, my wallet, these guys aren't going to be there tomorrow. And I don't want them going away tomorrow, especially in the world that we're in now, things are upside down. 
I, I see that more often. I, God knows I've bought like a ton of shirts within the last year, just willy nilly. It's like, Oh, I like that guy. <laughs> and, and it's keeping pro wrestling. He's alive right now. That's <laughs> they got a lot of my money. And I hate it. Cause sometimes I forget to put in the code and they like charge me full price. Yeah. Like, ah! uh, no joke. Our last short order we all did together. And goes, it's 20% off. We, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. And I go, do you order the shirts? He's like, yeah, but I got bad news. I'm like, I forgot to put the 20% coupon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you, yeah. I'm like, listen, I am totally about helping everybody too, but my wallet, my wallet is light too. Sometimes if I get that 20%, you get that 20%. Yeah, it was hilarious. Cause I was rushing out of the store. I think we had just watched uh, Dynamite yeah. and, uh, I had to go, man. I, I live in New York and the store's in Jersey. So it's a long ride. I'm like, Oh man, I got to go. Let me just, let me get this order in bang. And I hit it. And the next morning I woke up and I'm like, I didn't put the code in. <laughs> <laughs> I got some news for you. <laughs> no, but that, again, that's important, man. And then I guess, like you said, it works two ways. And, um, you know, like I said, I, again, I love seeing, the opportunities present itself for, you know, in the bigger companies, I'm, I'm, uh, I, no matter what, whether I become a part of any of it, uh, AEW, WWE, NXT, you know, new Japan, all the bigger organizations that are giving the opportunities out, you know, MLW, NWA, like it's always a great thing, you know? And, you know, if it's not for me, listen, I'm working, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to continue to be here, man. I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to continue to train. I'm going to continue to, to improve, you know, people think that after a certain time in the wrestling business that you should, you know, you know, everything, I don't know everything I can I tell you right now. I don't. Um, but I will say that, uh, you know, you never stop improving. You never stop learning. And that's just for the betterment of the business, not because, you know, for yourself, but you want to leave this thing better than, you know, when you first started. No, definitely. Listen, I want to thank you personally and, on behalf of the podcast, we thank you for your time. This was actually really awesome. We had a great time talking and I personally had a great time because I haven't talked to you in years. So it's going to be another seven or eight years. No, no, you know what? You know what it is? Actually, is that, actually, that's when we booked him for another seven years from now. He'll be back on the show. I, I get so wrapped up in, in life with the store and traveling and doing all this like work. I, I just don't talk to many people. It's like, I barely keep in contact with my friends, but you, I, I consider you a friend and I will do my best to stay in contact. Let, let's do that. Let's have lunch sometime. Uh, but again, thank you so much guys. If you want to follow this wrestler again, Michael Colossal, Michael law, look I'll, him I'll up. Yeah. Yeah. You can talk to me for everybody folks. I Colossal Mike law. Across the board, you can follow the barbell. The barbell has its own Twitter and Instagram. The Barbie, the barbell uh, on Instagram. You can buy my merch. Listen, it's been very hard because no live events. You can go to storefrontier.com. Just type in Colossal Mike Law and you'll see all my merch. You have sweaters, you have tanks, you have t-shirts, all of it uh, across the board from uh, the Store Frontier site. Or you can go to my Pro Wrestling Tees store, type in Colossal Mike Law and you can buy my merch there. Boom, done. Let's move on to the next. Thank you so much. Again, you can follow us at the pro, uh, at the, look, I'm screwing up, at the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast. See, this is my first time going with the outro. So thank, thank you, Randy, for letting me do that. Uh, but thank you. It ain't easy. It ain't easy, is it? It ain't easy. 
This is why I leave it up to him. But listen, I got to do it sometimes, especially right. with my dude here. But thank you again. And uh, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. Follow, like, share, and we'll see you next time. What a great interview with Mike Law. And we welcome your feedback here at the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast on all of our social media platforms, especially on Twitter at the Cut Wrestling BSP. Where else, Em? We got it written down again at the Cut PW Podcast on Instagram and the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast on Facebook. Make sure you like and subscribe to those pages. Yes, definitely like and subscribe us. Also, like to thank our producer Andrew Fumi for making us look as good as we do and make us sound as good as we do on all of our media platforms. We're on Spotify, we are on iTunes, we are on Google Podcasts, we are on SoundCloud. You want us? We are everywhere. We thank you guys for taking a little time of your week to listen to us. We try to do the best we can to not only be informative but entertaining as well. For Emerito Rivera, I'm Randy Zelli. We'll see you next week on the Cut Pro Wrestling Podcast. <laughs>